0: Friends, if you could turn in your Bibles today to Matthew chapter 3, or you can get there on your device, it'll also be on the screen. Um, I'm going to read out of Matthew 3 in just a moment uh, for you, we'll we'll read together. Um, I am starting today a short series, just a few weeks, it'll be three or four weeks, um, on our value of being a spirit-empowered family on mission. Um, If you've spent any time with us uh, Then you know that we are a family that loves the Holy Spirit and we unapologetically welcome his fruit and gifts deep transformative work manifestations Um, We're a people that believes that Jesus is at work among us by his spirit So we're going to talk about that the next few weeks My hope in a series like this isn't just to teach on these things It's hopefully to some degree to empower you uh, to transfer this information to other people in the places where you have influence, in the places where you're leading or serving. Uh, We want the truth of God, the word of God to be on our lips. And so my hope is that when we are doing these values series, which is what I've typically been doing when I'm in front of you, um, that it empowers you to be able to do that. And And I think uh, this is a a really important topic for us to learn how to talk about with other people, to learn how to talk about the Holy Spirit uh, with other people. Um, And I find that sometimes, and this has been the case for me too, I've not always been the clearest uh, when we talk about the work in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So I hope to give us just some really simple handles for us to kind of grab onto uh, to talk about what the Spirit of God is doing. Can I take a moment just to share something uh, really personal uh, with all of you? And I'm doing it for a reason. I'm going to come back to it at the end, and maybe there's a sub-point that I want to make in it. Um, But this last week, uh, or last few weeks, have been really challenging for me Um, in some ways. Ministry is going great. It feels like God is doing a lot of things Um, but I really appreciated today the way that Jake ministered to us, um, because some of the folks who are closest to me know that I've been on a bit of a journey the last couple months. And that journey is happening because, uh, at the end of my sabbatical, I made a really big personal decision, a personal decision, uh, you know, uh, related, uh, to me. (laughs) And, um, uh, and I made this decision, and I think um, it's allowed, it's given permission for my mind uh, to go some places that it hasn't before. Um, or it's gone there, but it, it never really considered it. Um, and so what's happening is, in the last few months, I've been having a lot of really clear memories come to my mind. And I, I, would never, I wouldn't say I've ever forgotten these memories. Um, they've been there, many of them are in my childhood um what i've never done is been honest with those memories until the last few weeks and how bad they are um and so what this has resulted in my mind is in a good place um you know i'm i know the truth of god i've grown a lot in the love of god uh, but my body is doing some weird things um so uh, i keep having panic attacks i've had a few this week um I've vomited a few times in the last few weeks. Um, And it's because of what's, you know, coming into my mind. Well, I'm saying this not for your pity. It's because I want to come back to it at the end uh, and talk about what it means for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's the sub-point I want to make. Friends, as I reflect on all this, if I can just speak this into our church and into our movement, um, I think one reason... And and I'm saying this because I think some of you need to hear it. Um, I think one reason I never, uh, I just haven't been honest, is because my abuse happened in a religious context at the hands of someone who always rose to religious leadership. And the church just never gave me permission to get away from my abuser. The church was always encouraging me to stay around them Um, and and never just ask the questions. You know, I really don't blame anybody for that, Um, you know, because deception is real and it's hard. Um, But we have to be a place that gives people permission to get to where they can heal, to get to where they can be safe. And I just wanna say that to you because some of you are speaking into these situations. And I know our heart is always for reconciliation, but there are times when reconciliation is not possible. Um, And we just have to prioritize the safety of victims. Um, And uh, I've made mistakes in this area too, so I'm not talking down to you. Um, But it is my heart that as things grow, Um, As more people are in the mix as our network expands that this is one of the things we become equipped in Is knowing how to recognize these things and knowing how to shepherd and lead people through those things? And I'm going to come back to all of this in just a moment after we read the Word of God together Um, Today we're going to start our teaching on The Holy Spirit by talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit um, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And to do that, we're going to turn to what is my favorite passage to preach on, out of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when I preach on the Holy Spirit, I love to turn to Matthew 3. Um, and uh, spoiler alert, I have preached a message like this before um, within, I don't know, the last five years. So if if you are like some kind of super memory person and you remember all my sermons from the last five years, which I'm sure many of you do, um, then uh, this may sound familiar to you, but more recently, if you were at launch, this equipping event that we held here at the church for regional leaders, um, if you were at launch and uh, you were here for our night of worship, Then you heard me speak on some of these things, so that may sound familiar to you But i'm going to take it in a little bit of a different direction today So I want to read the whole passage in its entirety because it's not long And then we're going to break it down into some pieces I would love if we stood in honor of god's word if you would stand to your feet and we'll read matthew 3 uh, Beginning in verse 11. This is the words of john the baptist says i baptize you with water for repentance But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, With him, I am well pleased. Could you read that last sentence with me, the words that the Father says over the Son? Let's read it together. This is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. You may be seated. Um, If we could go back to the beginning of this passage on the screen, that would be great. And let's just break down some of the component parts of what's happening in this passage as we answer this question. What does it mean for a person to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Um, To answer that question, we're going to begin in the ministry of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is Jesus' earthly cousin, and uh, he is a prophet. Um, In many ways, he's he's in the New Testament, but he's actually the last Old Testament prophet. He's actually the last of a generation of Old Testament prophets uh, that is prophesying leading up to the coming ministry of Jesus, the Messiah, And so for hundreds of years, prophets have been prophesying about the coming of this one, Jesus. And John is actually kind of the last Old Testament prophet, prophesying about the immediate coming of this one, Jesus. Um, and in Matthew 3, Jesus actually begins his public ministry with this baptism. So, but this is what John teaches about baptism. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. John is saying, you're coming out. All these people were coming to the desert to see him prophesy. He was kind of a weird guy. And they're coming out to the desert to seem like a lot of prophets are and were the kind of weird people. And, and he's out there in the desert and these people are coming and John is saying you're coming to see me But i'm not the one that you're looking for there's one coming and my ministry is about pointing to that person But then he says this he will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire and so we learn In john's ministry and john the baptist teaching That john taught not one baptism, but two That there was a baptism of water for repentance Uh, We practice that here at our church. We often get to celebrate baptisms together. Um, There's a baptism in water that signifies our repentance, our turn to Jesus, our union with him and the family of God, this ritual, this rite that that Jesus gave to us and commanded us. It is the initiation rite for everyone in the family of God to come into the family. Um, But then he teaches this other baptism, not just a baptism of water, but a baptism of fire as well and he says that this baptism will come from jesus himself he will baptize you with the holy spirit and with fire now that's matthew's language matthew uh, as he records john's teaching uses this language of being baptized with the holy spirit around here for whatever reason we've often gravitated towards luke's language in the gospel of luke Um, and and the book of Acts. And the way Luke describes this same thing, it's equivalent, Luke's language for the baptism in the Holy Spirit is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's just kind of the language we've adopted most around here. We talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. So John prophesies these two things, that this baptism in water, but then this baptism in fire and the Holy Spirit himself. Let's go to the next portion of the passage. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor. Gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John, like true prophets, goes into this intense um, judgment language. And that may seem startling, except that he is prophesying about the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus among his people. The Spirit of God working among his people. The presence of Jesus becoming manifest in the midst of his people. By His Spirit, and anytime Jesus is present in that way, anytime Jesus is manifest, um, there is a kind of judgment that happens just by His presence. Um, I was trying to think of uh, an analogy, and I, I came up with one. It's not the best one, but you'll you'll follow me. I love to cook. And I haven't been feeling great the last few weeks physically, so I told Chelsea last weekend, I said, I need to cook. And so if you were following me on Instagram, I went on this like Cajun kick, because I never cooked Cajun food. And I like seafood. So I was like, I'm going to cook everything Cajun and everything from the ocean that I can, you know, um, or from lakes or streams or whatever. So, um, so I bought some black bass, which I never had made before. I made this like Cajun black bass. I bought crawfish. How many of you have eaten crawfish? Have you have done it? Yes, delicious. Um, I made crawfish, Chelsea wasn't into them, but Devonte came over. Devonte and I killed a bunch of crawfish. Not literally killed, well, kind of, but we ate them is what I mean. And we ate, you know, crawfish together. And that meant that for like two days, I was cooking a lot of seafood in our house with a lot of Cajun spices. And so for like three days, uh, our house smelled like a Cajun seafood restaurant, all right? Like every time I walked in, You could smell the fish, and you could smell the Cajun spices. Now, the way that fragrance filled our house performs a kind of judgment on the people who walk into it. You know what I mean? It it divides people, is what I'm saying. It's like, when my house smells like fish, right, you're either going to walk in and go, that's amazing, what are you cooking, you know? Or you're going to walk in and be like, no thanks, see you later, right? It, you, it, you're not gonna, it's going to be inescapable, though. It's going to cause something to come out of you. It's going to reveal something about you if you like fish or not, right? Well, as the Holy Spirit works among his people, every time the Spirit of God comes and works among his, his people and the fragrance of his presence fills the room, it reveals things. It reveals true religion from false religion. His presence reveals what is right in us from what is wrong in us. Um, His presence has a way of dividing the good from the bad, the holy from the unholy. Um, It's inescapable. The presence of Jesus will always cause responses among the people that he shows up um, in the midst of. And this was true when he was present physically. You can't miss it when Jesus was walking the earth that everywhere he went, he evoked, he provoked responses out of people and from people. Um, Well, the same is true today when the spirit of God is at work among his people, just provokes responses um, out of us, um, separates the true from the false inside our own hearts, but even in whole communities of people. And so that's why this judgment is language is here. Uh, Let's go on. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, this baptism of water, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. I, this is why I like to preach on the filling of the Holy Spirit from Matthew chapter 3, because Jesus goes first in all things that pertain to our salvation. Um, anything that he has called us to as the Son of God, as the presence of God in human form, um, he went through first, including baptism. We get baptized because Jesus got baptized, Right? Um, And so he goes first in all things. But Jesus goes first, as it turns out, not just in the baptism of water, but also in the baptism of fire. And in Jesus' case, these things happen consecutively, but right next to each other. So Jesus is baptized in water, and then immediately he's baptized in fire as the Holy Spirit comes on to him. And if I can just point out something beautiful and theological here in this passage, this is a beautiful Trinitarian passage We believe in the Holy Trinity, right? That God is one God in three persons and that exists in perfect love and in perfect oneness. And it's a beautiful thing that we see the Father speaking to the Son and the Spirit coming on the Son. We see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this passage. And it is this eternal union of love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that has existed for all eternity and that will exist for all eternity in the future um, that we are now invited into. We're invited into this dance of love. We're invited into this interaction of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit of God comes on Jesus, and Luke actually uses the language, if you read this account in Luke's gospel, that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Matthew would prefer to use language. He's baptized with the Holy Spirit. The heavens open. The Spirit of God descends and comes on Jesus. And even though Jesus is fully God, Um, and fully man, is fully God, somehow he is filled by the Spirit of God. What a mystery. And lives his life on earth out of that fullness, out of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is the one verse I really want us to focus on this morning. A voice from heaven says, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Friends, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit as we look at what Jesus experienced. He's first in all things that pertain to our salvation. What does it mean for us to be filled with the Spirit? Well, I want to suggest that the main thing, we're going to talk about a lot of things about the Holy Spirit in the next next few, few weeks, but the main thing when we talk about the Holy Spirit is the love of the Father encountering us, is the love of God encountering us. Um, we are a movement that unapologetically welcomes everything the Holy Spirit would want to do among us. In a few weeks, I'm going to be talking about manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Um, I am going to take some time to talk about speaking in tongues and prophesying. Uh, Those are topics that actually I have not spoken from Very often in this setting, uh, there's other settings in the church that we've talked about those things. I don't know that I've ever preached on those things, but I'm going to in a few weeks because I know people have questions, and those questions aren't just coming to me. They're coming to you, so I want to empower you to be able to answer those questions. So we're going to talk about those things, but today that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about tongues and prophecy and miracles. I love those things, but those things are only meaningful if we are first talking about the love of God. Because if you speak in tongues, but you don't know that God loves you, I would say maybe you were empowered to do something, but I'm not sure that you've actually been filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is first about our identities being formed in God's love. My whole sermon today really is just on one slide here. The filling of the Holy Spirit is about our identity being formed in God's love. And you see this in Jesus' encounter with the Holy Spirit. The Father says to him, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Um. This is about Jesus experiencing, not just knowing about, but experiencing the love of the Father directly by the Holy Spirit. And that's what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We understand this as parents. I do want my kids to know without a shadow of a doubt that I love them. I want them to know that. But I also want them to experience that love, which is why I hug them, which is why I affirm them. With my words, which is why it's this isn't just an intellectual exercise. That is part of it, but I want them to experience directly the love that it is that I'm giving them, and that is how the Father is with us too. Friends, you should know this: God loves you today, and He couldn't love you any more, any less than He does right now. He loves you today, quite apart from whether you feel it, quite apart from whether you acknowledge it, or even know that that's true. He loves you today, and yet, because he is a father who loves us, he does desire for all of us to directly experience that love from him. Um, For his love to be activated in us by the Holy Spirit. This is what it is, to be filled with the Spirit of God is that his love somehow experientially becomes activated in us. And this is how it happened for Jesus. Now the heavens open, the spirit of God comes on him, and those around heard this from the heavens. This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And I would say that in these words, at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus finds acceptance, security, and significance. Um, This... These things, acceptance, security, and significance, even psychologists tell us that these are universal human needs. And it is not wrong to have these needs. God created you with these needs, the the need to be accepted, the need to be secure, to feel safe, the need to have significance. Um, But the Father is directly providing these things for Jesus in his words. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. He is directly providing acceptance. This is my son. This one is mine. It belongs to me. Security. I love him. This is my son whom I love. He's secure, safe in my love. And significance. With him I am well pleased. Um, the significance comes from the Father. This is the one. It's significant because I love Him. Significance is defined by the love of God. Um, and friends, I would say that because Jesus has gone first in everything that pertains to our salvation, that these are the words that God the Father speaks to us as well. This is my son. This is my daughter, in whom I love. With Him, with her. I am well pleased. This is the refrain that God states and sings over our lives, whether we are aware of it or not. But God so loves us, he desires to encounter us by his own presence, by his spirit, so that this is activated in our own hearts. It's about identity. It's about love. Um, As a matter of fact, I would say whatever other identity markers you use for your life They can't find full and holy expression until your identity is formed in God's love first. And then those other things will beautifully come to life. Um, It's not even that God will just do away with them. He'll remake them. He'll renew them. They'll find divine purpose in what he's doing in the world. But it has to be in the context of his love. Now let's think about the ministry of Jesus, can we just for a second, and think about how important this is going to be. Him him experiencing the love of the Father, how important this is going to be um, for his future ministry. Let's think about what it's going to be like for Jesus in the coming months, in the coming years, and why it is so critical That his identity is formed in what the Father says about him and what he has experienced from the love of the Father and not from something else. What would have happened if Jesus had tried to find his acceptance other places? Oh, there were times that people were all about him, and Jesus is a rock star. Um, you know, crowds are forming. But then there's other times, there's this really sad time in the Gospel of John when everybody leaves him except for his few inner circle disciples and even they aren't so sure. Even they are kind of just hanging on by a thread. What if Jesus had found his acceptance in what people thought about him? There would have been times that maybe it felt good, but there would have been a lot of times uh, he didn't seem like he was accepted at all. Security. Think think about this one. What would have happened if Jesus got his sense of security from his circumstances? This is a man who is going to suffer for our sin. It's what we celebrate at the table today. This is a man who is eventually going to be persecuted and killed. What if his sense of security, safety, was rooted in what was happening around him instead of in the love of God? He wouldn't have been able to stand. What if his sense of significance came from the things that we often attach significance to? You know, money, or fame, or wealth, or power. Jesus had none of these things. His acceptance, his security, his significance came from the love of God. Came from directly experiencing the love of God. And... And I love this because it means that what what the Father says about Jesus validates the Son far more than anything Jesus did in obedience to the Father. (laughs) What validated Jesus was what the Father said about him. And I love that it happens publicly in this passage with evidence that Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. I love that it happens publicly because it's as if the Father is saying to Jesus, I saying to those who are listening, listen, don't get it twisted. Don't get confused. When it looks like nobody is accepting this man, that does not mean that he's not accepted. When it looks like this man is unsafe, when it looks like he's suffering, don't think that it means that he's not my chosen one. Because I already said it. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. When it looks like he's not significant, when it looks like he's a poor, no-name rabbi with a ragtag group of followers, don't think that that means that my divine blessing isn't on his life. Because he's not finding his significance from these circumstantial, temporary things. He's finding significance from the love of God. It's like Jesus pouring out his love, I mean, the Father pouring out his love on Jesus is an apologetic against us and our temptation to look at Jesus as one who's been forsaken instead of the chosen Messiah. Reminds us that this man's life is being defined by his love. And I would say the same thing is true for us, friends, because to follow Jesus in obedience and mission is often going to take us into places that do not feel like acceptance, that do not feel like security, that do not feel like significance, and when everything around us is telling us that we are not loved, when everything around us is telling us that we are not accepted, that we are not safe, that we are not significant, listen, the love of God speaks something better. We are loved. We are validated, not by what we do for him, but because of how he views us, because of what he has said to us, and he wants to encounter us with that love and I would say that that's what being filled with the spirit is it's directly encountering the love of God and here's why that direct encounter has to happen it's because I could preach that God loves you all day and there's a certain degree to which you will not believe it until you encounter his love um we could say it to each other all day but people have to encounter Jesus themselves now, I know that as soon as we start talking about experiencing something, experiencing God's love, that can cause all kinds of insecurities to raise up in us. And I am going to address this over the next few weeks. But let me share with you a story. I was in a group of pastors recently where we were talking about language surrounding being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this pastor said, by the way, as a pastor in our our family of churches and our family of churches teaches uh, when I'm teaching you today um, that the, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit and encounter the love of God. Um, and uh, and this pastor you know serves alongside of us, but he was expressing some difficulty with the way this is talked about because he said, "I feel like as soon as we start talking about experience, that it's like some people have had experiences with God, but what about the people who feel like they haven't?" And does it create kind of two different groups of people? Does it, does it cause all of these insecurities to rise up in people? And he was like, I would just rather like, not talk about it, you know, not talk about like, the experience because it just, it just makes people you know, feel uncomfortable. Um, but here's what my response would be to that as a pastor, if I can just talk about it as a pastor. A big part of my role is to shepherd souls to experience God's love. Not just to teach on it. Not just to educate about it, although that is part of it. But it is to position people to do what God, only God can do. And I know that's hard because in our journeys, it means that I do walk beside people who wonder if God loves them. I do walk beside people who in their grief, God sounds very silent. I do walk beside people who look at the people around them and it seems like God's doing all this cool stuff with them and they wonder if God passed them over. But I would say the answer is, to, is not to stop talking about experiencing the love of God. It is to patiently, in a plodding way, shepherd souls to experience His love. That's part of my role. It, it's not to ignore the insecurities it's not to ignore the fear it's to get in it with a person to walk with them to wait with them to cry with them in, in all of the wilderness times and all of the painful times because let's get real that, that exists in this there are times when God's love feels so close and there are times when his love feels so far away but it's my role to be with people in that and I'm telling you this because I think that's your role too. <laughs> is to be a shepherd. Is is to walk beside people and just to keep patiently positioning them so that they can receive God's love. How do we position them? Well, we do teach them the word of God. We do educate. We do pass on the information about the Holy Spirit. But we also show up and we listen. We pray for each other in our pain. Uh, we serve each other. We say, come, follow me on mission because you're going to discover that you need the Holy Spirit out there doing this stuff. So come with me and do it. We help stoke the fires of hunger in a person if they're apathetic or they aren't feeling hungry. We, we walk beside people in all of these ways in patience and in kindness and love. And all along the way, we are praying that God will do the thing that only he can do the thing that no amount of teaching I do, no amount of serving that I do, no amount of any of that is going to accomplish, it's that this person would be filled with the Holy Spirit, would encounter God's love. And friends, I'm telling you this because some of you are discipling people, and some of who you are discipling, you know what they need more than anything else, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But you can't make it happen. Your role is to shepherd. Your role is to facilitate. So back to my bad week or a few weeks. Can I tell you something? Um, Being filled with the Holy Spirit is by no means a one-time experience. Um, We see this in the book of Acts. They encounter God's love again and again. And sometimes at the oddest times, like right before they're about to be persecuted, but it makes sense, doesn't it? That God would fill them then so that they would be secure in his love, so that no matter what pain is about to be inflicted on their lives or their bodies, they know that they are accepted, secure, and significant, so that that pain does not speak against their identity. Right? So we get filled again and again and again. It's just kind of how it happens or how it can happen. Um, And as a new wave of pain surfaces in my life, I'm like, man, I need to encounter the love of God again. And while it's true that there are places, I'm sure you experience this too, um, where you feel like you have been let down by church context, I'm sure you've experienced that. Let me also tell you this about church context. People have shepherded shepherded, (laughs) my soul again and again and again to the love of God. People have seen my wounds over the years and said, come on. I don't know what I can say to make that better. I don't know what I can do to make that better. But let's figure out how to get to the love of God. Do we got to pray together? Do I got to open the word with you? Um, Do I need to position you in a place, um, you know, where you can begin to understand the love of God? I am sure that the best place to take this new set of wounds that is surfacing in me is to his love. That it is whatever these wounds speak against my identity, against acceptance, and security and significance. It is God's love that will speak a different word, right, against those things. And over the years, so many people just patiently, ploddingly, just walked beside me and kept saying, we got to get those wounds to God's love. We got to get those wounds to God's love. And so here's, I don't know, for the years that I follow Jesus, here's just what I expect. I expect that somehow, somewhere, I'm going to encounter in a fresh way the love of God. There might be days between now and then that it doesn't feel that way. But people are going to stand with me in faith. Right? To believe that God wants to fill an area of my life that is occupied by wounds. That God wants to fill a part of my life that's occupied by pain with his own identity, with his own love. Okay, I'm going to wrap up. But I want to say, over the next few weeks, this is going to lead to a very practical step. And here's what it is. I'm gonna pre- I, I preach today. I'm going to preach um, uh, next week on the filling of the Spirit again. Uh, we're going to have a third week. We're going to talk about some gifts and some practical questions. And then that evening, the evening is July 25th, we have an upper room prayer gathering that will meet in this room at 6 o'clock. And here's just an invitation that I, that I want to give to you. Um, if you feel like you need to be filled with the Spirit, can I tell you something? Don't, so many people, like, ask themselves, like, oh, have I had the right experience? Don't ask that question. Just ask if you want more of him. Um, don't compare yourself to somebody else. Just ask if you want more. There's always more of God to have. Don't ask if you've had a thorough enough experience or enough of an experience. Just, it doesn't. Don't get caught up in that. Just ask if you want more. And if you do, then one of the spaces that we'll create is that Sunday night on July 25th. Um, and we'd love for you to come and and we're going to pray with you, which is just another way to say that there will be safe, confidential people available to plod with you, to wait with you. What if God doesn't show up? What if you, don't, what if you come forward for prayer and you don't get filled that night? Well, there will be people to wait with you, to cry with you, to sit with you while we wait for what God only God can do. This is what we do. We shepherd each other toward is love, alright, so that's what will be happening that Sunday night.